Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the actual fourth episode of Wilbur Talks FPL, where we talk everything Fantasy Premier League and the Premier League in general. So for this, well, we've been away for a week. It would generally be a weekly podcast, but because of the international break, we've had a bit of a week's gap. So we'll be having a look back on game week three, see how we all got on. A lot of talking points, as we've had two weeks, to think about certain topics, maybe a certain CR7 coming to the league, and some interesting decisions around potential wild cards and how we can maybe get some premiums into our teams. So it should be an interesting one this week. I'll introduce the regular guests. So I'll start with you, Charlie. Welcome back. Have you enjoyed the international break? I'm sure, like me, maybe not so, so much. <laughs> um, yeah, thank you. Um, yeah, I, I guess I have. Uh, not for the footballing reasons, but just as a break from from the Premier League for a little bit. It was nice to get away from losing every week. Um, so, yeah, I, I, it was nice to not have to feel like I needed to watch my team lose and not score and <laughs> just get progressively lower and lower down the table. Yeah, we'll, we'll let you off the difficult fixtures. I, I think I'm just happy to get back to FPL a bit. I feel like the international break drags a bit and it's not what, it's not very exciting football, is it, unless it's a major tournament. But yeah, exactly. It's not, we don't really need to be dealing with England v Andorra particularly. I'm not particularly bothered about I, that. I know. I was like looking like Portugal were playing a friendly against Qatar. I'm like, is that really what we need to be doing at this kind of stage <laughs> of the season? But hey, yeah. And welcome Sam back to the podcast as well. How have you found the international break? You enjoyed having a week off on the podcast? Good to be back. Thanks for having me. Um, yeah, no, international football, uh, as most people know, is not my uh, my my cup of tea, really. Um, so yeah, great to be back. Looking forward to the Premier League coming back. So, yeah, bring it on. Yeah, I think me and Sam are slightly different because we've actually had decent results compared to Charlie. But I'm sure it'll go <laughs> better as we get on to the next set of fixtures. We hope. So we'll just touch on how we performed in game week three because it seems like it was a very long time ago now. So if we go with you, Charlie, how did your game week three go? Were you happy with how it went? Um, yeah, FPL wise, yeah. Um it was it was kind of kind of middling. It, it was weird. In in our own league I moved up a place, but in sort of general overall rank and stuff, I, I dropped down a bit. Um I think I just double checking now, I finished on sixty two points. So pretty pretty yeah. pleased with that. Anything, you know, beyond sixty is always a good a good um good week mostly really saved by the antonio captain um i was tossing up for a while between him and fernandez but just went with antonio as i thought it was a good good time to go for someone a little bit different to the to the mass um and yeah really that kind of made my week if i hadn't done that then i think i would have been uh, very disappointed because there wasn't much returns from from the other guys really so yeah please please with antonio yeah i think that's the thing that i was pretty annoyed about because i got I think I got slightly more than both of you guys, and I didn't captain Antonio. So I was like, if I captain Antonio, I would have just been flying. But typically, Bruno lets us down there. So, yeah, you've got 62 points, and you've moved up to overall rank of 70,000. So I think across the board, all three of us are doing pretty well. So my week, I got 66 points. Unfortunately, didn't captain Antonio, but the points were kind of shared around with a lot of the rest of the team. I think I went for DCL a week earlier than you guys probably were going to go for. I was like, I'll just get on in now because I wasn't convinced by Ings at all. There's also like Tony and Greenwood who contributed as well. So I was quite happy with my week, which could have been better if I'd captain Antonio. But 
you win some, you lose some. So I'm currently sat at 267k in the world. How did you find your week, Sam? Yeah, a pretty good week. Always good, I think, when you return a score above average. Um, I think that's a good benchmark as to whether or not you've had a good week or not. Um, and got 59 points against an average of 54, so can't be too disappointed with that. Uh, I think a lot of te- a lot of people's teams are still or up to this week or up to the international break for sure in that sort of template structure. Um, so there's still a lot of similar scores and knocking around. Uh, but yeah, not too disappointed. Uh, I too um, went for Fernandez in the end. I said on the pod last week, I was, I was edging towards Antonio, um, but I just wanted to stick to or give myself back myself really in some of the things I'd said before the season about like keeping your premium assets as your captains because when they get the big returns, they'll get the big returns doubled. Um, but yeah, maybe Antonio was the, was the smart pick. Uh, but yeah, overall, not too disappointed. Um, a good score, I think, just to keep the boards ticking over. Yeah, it's one of them very solid scores. Into I personally always think like that fifty to sixty mark is always a good score to be aiming for each week, and then anything above that, and obviously it depends on the average like you touched on. So I think we're all doing pretty solid. Sam leading the way, currently on just under thirty-seven thousand. So you're the man to beat at the minute for our little league, at least. So we just touch yeah. on. Go on. Are you going to say anything else there, Sam? No, no, no. No, just uh, yeah. when you always feel like raising a just, challenge. Just like... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Charlie's going to keep referring back to last season when he was always last, and then he came back. So you got to watch yeah. out for him. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm happy to sort of keep keep quiet and just softly, uh, yeah, kind of edge my way closer to the top of the table. And, um, yeah, we'll see, we'll see what happens by the end. Yeah, and that's the role I'm playing at the minute. So watch out. I think it could be it could get more more exciting over the next few weeks, depending on when we decide to wildcard and different transfers. Like Sam kind of touched on, got pretty template teams at the minute, so it'll be exciting to see some actual different changes for from the teams we've got at the minute. So we just touch on the results as well. I'll start with Sam's team this week. How did you? Well, how did you rate Liverpool's performance against Chelsea? Were you disappointed with the draw? Well, probably think you might be slightly. How did you find the game? Yeah, well, for starters, it was a really good game to watch for the first mm. half. Um, the red cards for Reese James kind of completely changed the game, really. Um, at which point it was just attack v defence. Chelsea defended very well. And I think, to be fair, Chelsea deserved at least a point, really, um, for that defensive performance in the second half in particular. A um, little bit disappointed that we couldn't break them down, having an extra man on 45 minutes at home attacking the cop. It's basically like set up for us to try and go and go and score. And if we did score, I think we probably just would have would have held out. Um, but, you know, it's buts and maybes uh, are not what we're here for. And uh, if you just said before the game, you'd take I think both teams would have taken a point. But just the manner that we got the point was a little bit disappointing. Uh, but take nothing away from Chelsea. They played well, defended really well second half. And uh, they definitely got a bit about them this year. So, uh, yeah, not too bad, but slightly disappointed could have been uh could have been and probably should have been three points when we're at 11 against 10 for 45 minutes yeah i'm gonna say that definitely it kind of shows like chelsea's credentials this season doesn't it really that they could put in that performance with 10 men so you definitely i think they're definitely going to be up there i think it could well i think it's going to be like, it could be between any four at the top i'm not even gonna three games in i'm not going to speculate who is going to be fine out of the league but you two will be definitely up there 
think that game kind of showed how close the title race will be in general. They're going to be a lot of tight games between the big teams because they mean so much when it comes down to the final points at the end of the season. So if we'd mentioned another big team who played against Arsenal, um, <laughs> Charlie, what did you think of your guys' performance? You don't have to keep on it too long. I just thought I'd bring it up. <laughs> well, yeah, conversely to the point you made about Liverpool-Chelsea showing how close the two teams are, I think this game kind of showed how far away the two teams were. Um yeah, I don't know how, how how long I really want to spend on it without um, yeah, yeah trying to keep swear words out of the pod. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it was just I, I think I don't think anyone expected anything particularly different. Even um, even trying to keep it the score down would have been a tough tough ask um, given the current state of of Arsenal. Um, but yeah, Man City just didn't really ever need to get out of second gear. They just did what they always do and just. Um, re- really good on the ball, really sort of straightforward passes between just, just played straight through us. Um, I think my only sort of takeaway again from the game was about how reckless Shaka can be when he's tackling. Obviously, got, got sent off for a, a completely idiotic tackle, um, jumping in with two feet, and and just shows again and again why there, there's something strange going on. I don't know whether he just manages to. You know, um, put something in the tea of the managers or something. But every single manager always comes out and says, "Oh, he's he's really great behind the scenes. He's really great um, in the changing room and all these things." But every time on the pitch, he just seems to show. At least for us, obviously, he had a good performance for Switzerland in the Euros. But when playing for us, he just there's just something completely wrong. And I don't know if it's maybe just to do with maybe the players around him, the fact that we have to rely on him in defensive situations, which he's not actually built for and, and the number of red cards he's had since joining the league kind of shows that and even before joining the league. Um, yeah. So, I, I mean, the only the only sort of positive I take away from the game is the fact that he'll be missing and we'll have to use other players now, which I'm hoping just gives a little bit more um, opportunity to, to try a few different things now with Xhaka out the team where previously Arteta has been so set on keeping Xhaka in the, in the team. Um, but just conversely as well, I, I, I guess we should kind of commend Man City, even though it, we, we did make it easy for them. Um, yeah, they just looked really, really good. Um, Grealish created six chances, which was the most for any any team this weekend, any player this weekend. Um, and Man City had, had a ridiculous number of shots. I think they had 25 shots and 17 of them were inside the box, which even... I guess that shows two things. One, how bad our defending was, but also just how how many of those sorts of chances City create. We kind of know that's that's the way that they like to play is these kind of short passes and, and cutbacks in the box. So, yeah, more of Man City doing what, what they do best, really. Yeah, I'm not going to, like, rip you too much for that one because it's kind of expected, as you said. I just thought I'd mention it just to yeah. <laughs> make sure you're aware of it in case you missed it. Um, but as we said before the podcast, we'll judge you more on the upcoming game, so we're not going too harshly on that. I'm just thinking about that Man City game as well. I, I remember on the last podcast, me talking up for Torres, and like typically mm-hmm. he goes and scores two, which just, and yeah, in, in, amongst the FPL community, he's becoming a bit of someone that people might start to look at. I think mm. maybe we'll get to it later as well, but it's kind of it's someone that that you should think about but then also the fact that De Bruyne and um, Foden are supposedly meant to be 
available for the bench possibly this coming weekend. Yeah. It'll be interesting just to see how that affects things, how the team sort of settles. Um, but yeah, I mean, fair play to you, Will, because you've you've been talking about Torres quite pretty much all of the all of our pods. So yeah, um, yeah he, he looks good. And, and and if you can get in on any Man City attacker, it's always good. But particularly one if he's playing out of position up front. I mean, that's just gold dust, really. Yeah, I'm not going to take much credit. He's not in my team, so it doesn't really matter, does it? <laughs> <laughs> Didn't back yourself. No, definitely not. And I think we'll probably mention it later on as well with European football starting in the next few weeks as well. That's going to yeah. play havoc with some of the teams, especially like Man City's. But we'll touch on that as we get further in. So uh, what you're saying is go go all in on Arsenal because we've got no European fixtures. Well, <laughs> when I say all in, I might go one player, but I'm not sure we get further than that. That's a, enough all in for Arsenal for me. But we'll see in the coming weeks. So I'll touch on, as we're talking about teams to support, I'll touch on the United game, which, in my opinion, was got away with one probably slightly again. I would say it was similar to the Southampton game where we didn't play particularly well. That, that goal line clearance by Wambasaka was unbelievable. I'm not sure how he pulled that one off, tracking all the way back. And then Greenwood's done what he's been doing every game so far this season, just bailing us out a bit. So I'm hoping for some better performances. I think you've seen... I think last season, especially playing away from home, was better for us because obviously there was no crowds and we're getting a bit caught. I don't know, not caught out. It's not the right word, but you can see the effects of the home crowds being back. That it's given those other teams that you'd hopefully beat quite comfortably if you was at home a good home advantage. So I'm hoping I'm going to have some more impressive performances and a certain new signing might like raise the game of players around them. I'm not sure he's. Like I made a comment when we signed him if he could play CDM because we <laughs> that's the position we needed, but he should hopefully raise the game of people around him and hopefully push us on to even if Ollie can win the Carabao Cup, I'm sure Sam that would break what Sam thought about him not being able to ring a win a trophy, so <laughs> can take that one. But yeah, hopefully there'll be more impressive performances to come from us and we're gonna to touch on a certain CR7 shortly. Was there any other fixtures that you guys it caught your eye? on in-game week three going to you, Sam? Crazy, I don't think, that really stuck out. And that, one one fixture that I was quite, um, well, un- unimpressed by the Liverpool fan, but, you know, impressed uh, at the way that they've started. Just Everton's ability to just roll off wins, go, to go away at Brighton is not an easy place to go. Well set up, difficult to break down, and they just sort of, it, it just looked like another another you know, day out for them. Um, and they got they got the three points there. So I think there was there was a few good games about, but none that sort of really, really got your attention. Um, yeah, I think Everton look a bit more solid in like the defensive line and just trying to be a bit more structured as you'd expect under Rafa. I think um, Charlie has Dinier in his team, which, and I think Rafa's probably kind of made him a worse asset if I'm open play because he's not letting him get forward as much because they're a bit more structured but he's also on the set pieces so you've got that kind of benefit that's something that I kind of picked up on when I've seen clips from how Everton have been playing so far was there any yeah, that... go on Charlie yeah no I was just going to agree with that I, I, the reason I really went with him was kind of the, or in the hope that of, of more solidity and, and mm-hmm. um, improved likeness of a, of a clean sheet which finally came this week um but yeah, I, I, I like like Sam said, I don't think any of the other games really stood out, but I think 
I, I was interested to see the fact that not only did Palace score their first two goals finally, but also the fact that it was Conor Gallagher that scored them. Obviously, whenever you see Palace score, you expect it to be some variation of Zaha scoring or assisting. So seeing um, Conor Gallagher grabbing those two goals is um, quite interesting. But And also the fact, obviously, a lot of us have FPL assets in Antonio and um, Ben Rama in that game. And, and Antonio, again, just looks like an absolute beast. He took his goal so well um, on, on the turn. He got a bit lucky with the sort of deflection off the back of his head in the first instance. But then, yeah, he just absolutely smashed it with his weak foot. So, um, yeah, yeah, again, Antonio showing how, what he does. Um he just looks, yeah, crazy clinical whenever he, he can stay on the pitch. Yeah, I think there was a lot of interesting games and a lot of like free 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 flowing, if I can get it out, football. But I don't think there was really any standout teams you could pick out of there. I think that Newcastle Southampton game was a bit crazy as well. Like Southampton, the amount of chances they had, I can't believe they didn't win that, and then they nearly lost it. I was like, I think it kind of makes was it the Livermento to over like crossed it into Gineppo and he like missed it from a few yards out, which mm. was pretty terrible. I'm quite interested to see how Southampton do going forward because I'd eye up like a cheap striker like Armstrong later down the line, but that's a wait and see one for me. But I think as we mentioned, we'll skip over the fixtures a bit and we'll move on to. Well, we'll get out. I said we'll talk about new signings because it's the end of the transfer window, but I feel like there's one big signing that might outweigh much of this discussion. So, Sam, what do you make of Ronaldo being back in the Premier League and how do you see it impacting your FPL teams? How do you expect it to impact Man United in general? Well, for starters, obviously an amazing signing for the Premier League in general is to have him back in the league is going to be great for, for English football and great for the Premier League. Um, it's sort of like a fairy tale signing, really, for Man United. Um, how on earth? It, 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 it was a strange one, right? Because City was so heavily linked with him. The move to United just kind of came out of nowhere. Um, and then within 48 hours, he was a United player again. So I don't quite know whether it was really like a planned move or whether it was a knee jerk. Um, we can't let Man City get Ronaldo, so we'll buy him instead move. Um, but ultimately, taking uh, nothing away from Man United, fair play to them. They've still got the uh, the stature as a club, um, despite maybe not having the success that they previously had to, to pull in the biggest names in the world. So, um, yeah, incredible signing, really. Um, kind of player that you'd be looking at. You know, he's, he's sort of moving into the tail end of his career, but you should really be expecting 20 goals from him, I would have thought. Um, and yeah, just all on face value, it looks like a great signing. I'd be interested to see how he fits in with uh, the whole dynamic of the team that they've got at United with a lot of young players coming through. Um, it could, I think it's probably going to go one of two ways and completely polarise the situation. It'll either like bring the standard and the motivation of those around him up, which I think is the most likely outcome that you see players like Greenwood and Rashford like learn from having someone so prolific and has been at the top of the world game for so long around them. Um, but I do think there is a slight risk that it upsets the harmony. Um, and you like Solskjaer's quite clearly tried to go down this whole path of teamwork and building a team unit together. So it might um, unsettle that a little bit. But ultimately, you know, that's just sort of clutching at straws, really, and hoping it goes Pete Tong for him because it's, it's an unbelievable <laughs> signing. There's no taking away from that. Yeah, let's hope he brings everyone up to that level. I feel like if we'd had this signing early, we might not have kept Cavani as much, but 
having that experience of Cavani and Ronaldo kind of the point that you mentioned is going to really help especially Greenwood to become hopefully that striker in the future that United will hopefully drive on towards titles with I think we forget that Greenwood's still only 19 as well so he's got a lot to learn he's one of the best finishers at the club but he's still got a lot to learn so quite excited to see what he can learn from that and obviously like Rashford and others that you've mentioned I think it just brings that Obviously, he's a big name. It just brings a lot of experience. And even if you don't play in the same position of him, you're going to learn a lot from him just being around the guy. And I'd say equally the same for Ferran as well, who we signed earlier in the window. I think they're just like two big names in two key positions that could drive them on. I'd argue there's still one key position mission, missing, but we'll still do pretty well, hopefully, with those two on board. What do you think about the signing, Charlie, and everything around it? Well, I agree with both of your points. Um, I think there's there is a potential that it may it does make the attack a bit more simplistic in that ultimately it, the team's now gonna be try to get the ball to Ronaldo in the box and he'll he'll score. But then from the other point of view, there, is there anything wrong with that? Because he will score. So it it's um yeah, I, I think like Sam said, there is a, a a risk that it maybe sort sort of takes away from from some of the other players, but I mean, yeah, there's there's no question if if you have an opportunity to sign ultimately one of the best, I would say the second best player in the world, um, then of course you're going to go for it. And I I think the fact that because I think long term you're probably thinking, okay, he's he's fitting into the team as the number nine, so he's potentially in theory taking Greenwood's spot up front. But that allows him just to either Greenwood to move out or it allows, um, the, like you mentioned, the fact that Greenwood's so young, it does kind of allow the flexibility for Solskjaer to rotate him in and out of the team rather than consistently start him because no one's necessarily expecting a 19-year-old to, to continue to start. Um, but yeah, I think just for the whole league, it's it's a really exciting thing to see a player of that, that calibre coming back. And, and I agree with Sam, the fact that Manu obviously it was the, it was the, his connection with the club that that made him um, choose Manu over Man City. I think that's what that's what did it, and um, yeah, it's just really impressive to see. Really, can I touch on that that Man City link? I feel obviously I'm not involved in the transfer dealings, but I feel that was a very much a ploy by his agent. Oh, we'll draw up some interest with Man City. There's no way the Glazers will, will let him go to Man City. That's probably a good way for the Glazers to have to get a checkbook out because it's quite difficult to get it out. So <laughs> I think that was very much a ploy from their agent. But well, there was never actually a formal bid that came in from City. So it would have been interesting to see from the agent side if that was just a bit of a ploy. That's what I think it was from my point of view. But that's up for debate. I think we'll touch on Ronaldo a bit when we get later on as well. Was there any other signings later on the window that were either of you as excited by? If we went back to Sam, was there anyone? I've got a few written down here, but I'll let you think if there was anyone you saw in the last like week or so of the window. I don't think there was anyone that like really sort of excited me as such. I think there was some some certainly notable business. Chelsea, another coup with Saul, um, just get, picking him up on loan. Uh, Dan James moving to Leeds is an interesting one. Um, maybe I'm, I'm planning on touching on him a little bit later on when we talk a bit more FPL. Um, but yeah, I mean, Palace picking up Eduard from Celtic as well is an interesting one. If, if he can get 10, 12 goals this season, that might be 
enough to to you know give them a chance of staying up. I've branded them relegation fodder already. I haven't seen anything that changes my opinion on that. Um, even if they did get a point at the weekend, I still think they're they're not they're well short. But if he can come in and get 10, 12 goals, that's an interesting one. Um, and then uh, one that's probably gone a little bit under the radar, but Cucurella moving to Brighton could be uh, one a good one for FPL, um, depending on depending on uh, how Brighton get on. So a few a few interesting signings, none that really like stunned me or were, were on the same level as Ronaldo though. Yeah, it was is Cucurella a defender on FPL? I'm pretty sure he is, isn't he? Can't I think remember. so. Yeah, I think he's about five million. And what from what I've seen of him, he's like a winger kind of wing back, isn't he? So could yeah. be some exciting potential there. You have stole two out of three of mine. We'll see if Charlie steals the other one. <laughs> is there anyone else you'd pick out, Charlie? I'll go with the shot, but uh, yeah, I only have one left uh, of my list, um, which is Zuma to West Ham. Um, I think West Ham were in need of someone to help their defence. Um, unfortunately, he's not going to at all, in my opinion, be an FBL asset because he was he was priced as a Chelsea defender. So he was priced, I think, at 5.5. He might drop to 5.4 by now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think West Ham just needed some reinforcement in that area. Obviously, the fact that they've got Europe to deal with as well they needed reinforcement, but particularly, I think that's been an area. Obviously, they've now got a, a very um, a system that's bringing them goals, but they've been struggling for clean sheets and, and getting someone of, of Zuma's potential is is a really good, um, really good sign, in my opinion. Yeah, I think that was the main area that West Ham really needed to strengthen because I think Dawson was playing most of the time centre back, and I don't think he's up to the Premier League. So I actually forgot about that one for West Ham. I, I think I'd actually argue with that point that he's not a good FPL asset because of his threat from corners. Because I'm interested to see with Cresswell delivering the ball into Zuma, I could see him getting a few returns. He was really good for Chelsea at the start of last season, but like he's can if he was like five million, I'd be more likely to go for him. But five point five, I'll wait and see. He might be one for the future if they've got a good run, maybe to go for, but not straight away. The only other one I had was actually for West Ham as well. I think it's Vlasic the. He's kind of plays wing or attacking midfield, which I mentioned on the fact that he's got a lot of goals in his previous seasons and the risk of the rotation with your Ben Ramas, your Fornells and stuff in the West Ham midfield just for something to watch out for because he's being a decent quality. I think did he I think he previously played for Everton in the Premier League, so he's actually played I yeah. think it might be Everton, yeah. Um so he has experienced the Premier League a bit before and he might be able to bring that goal scoring form. To the back to the Premier League, so it's one to watch out for, especially if you've got like Ben Rama and stuff in your team. That there could be some possible rotation when you get to Europa League time. But yeah, I think we all covered them together because I had Edward and Dan James on there as well. I think that Dan James move was quite good for him. I think it was two years ago, it was actually going to go to Leeds and it fell through on like deadline day. So I think United was a bit too above him and Leeds is a bit more on his level. Well, hopefully, he finds his level at that kind of club and it'll be interesting to see what he does especially like around the likes of Rafinha so that could be an interesting one so as we're carrying, trying to wait the podcast a bit to the latter half we're going to do the quiz quite early this time so we're going to go on to the quiz like we're only about half an hour in so far so not too bad so I mentioned that European football is coming back so the quiz this week is around Champions League winners Jamal. So this is champion. So 
I'm going to, because I feel like you guys are always doing well on this quiz. I, I, I thought originally, oh, we'll just do it back to um, when it became like the UEFA Champions League, but I'm going to go all the way back. So the European Cup or the Champions League going back 66 years. So there's been 66 winners of the Champions League or European Cup since it was formed. And there's 22 different winners. So they've either won it once or they've won it multiple times. So there's a list of 22 teams I've got here. So you're going to take it in turns. If you get an answer wrong, you lose, basically. So I think, as I mentioned, there's 22. I think you'll get halfway through it and then you'll get struggling quite far down there. I'm not going to lie. If you get to 20, I'll be impressed. 21 and 22, if you get those answers, you just like miracle workers because I don't know how you'd ever get them. There's nine teams who have won it once, so that's when you're going to get to the difficult range. As we go through it, I'll tell you what position the teams are and how many times they won the Champions League, if that helps as well, because I think it could get quite difficult otherwise. So I think, Sam, you won last time, didn't you? Last one we recorded, or am I getting yeah. that wrong? Yeah. So yeah. I'll give Charlie the option, do you want to go first or second? Bearing in mind, if you get an answer wrong, you lose. Um, I guess I'll just go first, and yeah, I'm not sure there's too much strategy. Yeah, okay. You can start away then. Um, well, let's just go recency, let's go Chelsea. Well, Chelsea are quite far down on this, to be fair. They're joint ninth because they've won it twice. Uh, I'll go for Liverpool. Liverpool are third, they've won it six times. Real Madrid. Real Madrid are number one with 13 times. Uh, Bayern Munich. Bayern Munich are joint third with Liverpool with six. Um, let's go to Man United. Man United are seventh. Well, joint seventh with three. Barcelona. Barcelona are fifth with five. Um, let's think... Early 2000s, Milan would have won a bunch of them. Yeah, Milan are second with seven. Uh, I'll go for the other Milan, Inter Milan. Yeah, Inter are joint seventh with Man United on three titles. Um, Ajax? Yeah, Ajax are sixth. Got more than Man United, they've got four. You've, currently, you've got the top nine. So the rest of the options have won the Champions League or European Cup once or twice. Hey, uh, let's go for Jose Mourinho's Porto. Porto have won it twice. Okay, we, we must now be getting pretty early 90s or before, I imagine. <laughs> You've got three teams that have won it twice and then nine teams that have won it once. Um, well, if we think of some of the historic, and so you said you said we're accepting before UEFA, right? Champions League and yeah, so it's, it's it's the history of the European Cup. So we're going back yeah. six six years. So uh, Villa have won it, haven't they? Yeah, that is a very good one. They've got well, they've won it once. Let's go for Juventus. Juventus have won it twice. And then the other English team I remember is Forest. 
Not in Forest. Yeah, Forest have won it twice. I think it was in consecutive years as well. Okay, uh, I'm going to go for Celtic. Celtic won it once. It's getting really difficult now. It now. Yeah, there's one team that have won it twice, and the other teams that are left have won it once. How many in total? Sorry, like how many teams left? We've got one, two. Um, we've got eight left. Oh wow, that's still a lot. Eight. Yeah, oh. there's, there's a lot with one, and I've got a couple written down, but <laughs> two of them. We're going to be struggling <laughs> after that. There's still some um, names here that are quite popular names, but especially like maybe not totally recent, but within our lifetimes. Okay. I'm pretty sure that Dortmund have won it at some point. Let's go with Dortmund. Yep. Yep, Dortmund have won it once. I think that was in the mid nineties. I think it was like ninety-six around that time. Uh, the year I was born, it was won by Marseille. Yep, Marseille won it once. <laughs> Getting, we've got five okay. teams that have won it once and then one that have won it twice. Struggling at this point. Um, well, Sam said Porto, so I'm going to stick in Portugal and go the other main team, so say Benfica. Yeah, that's a good one. They've won it twice. That was the last one we had with two oh, that. wins. So you're down to five teams, and I would argue these are quite difficult teams to get. Yeah. Especially, I know, I know, I know one more for sure. But then after that, we're punting. So <laughs> um, I'm going to go for uh, the wild card entry that I think is right. Uh, in Red Star Belgrade. <laughs> that was one of those two that I didn't think he was going to get. That is correct. Fair play. Playing against them a couple of years ago in the group stage. The commentary team brought that one out and I didn't <laughs> believe them. So that's a good check. <laughs> yeah, and that was like years back, that one, like way before that time. So you've got four um, teams left. There's one. I'm kind of toying with based on nothing more really than the fact that I'm they're sort of a more well known teams out of the kind of teams generally in Europe. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm not going to come up with any others. Uh, PSV, that's right. Oh. <laughs> so there's three teams left. Three teams left. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> I'm not inclined to give uh, any clues at this stage. No, no. We've done well to get 19 out of 22 so far. I think two of them are guessable. I'd be impressed if you got the third. But I wouldn't say they're not recent. I'm pretty sure... Well, unless there's like a, it's not beyond the realms of possibility that there's a crazy one from one of the major leagues, but I think we're talking line, like minor leagues. I think we've probably ticked most of them off. Unless there's like a weird one from like Spain or Germany or something. Uh, well, the only other team in Holland that I guess is capable would, uh, I don't know if they would have won it. 
this is. Uh, all right. I'm gonna guess Lazio. That's incorrect. What was, <laughs> what was the one you were just talking about? I was I was gonna say Feyenoord, but that would, that would have been right. I'll be I'll be completely honest. Yeah, I had no idea on anymore. I <laughs> yeah. was completely oh. out. <laughs> it went fine, though. That would have been right. Yeah. So there's one German team, but I'm not. Sh they're not as well known now as they used to be. I'm not sure if they're even in the top division anymore. In Hamburg. Oh no! I wouldn't have got that. <laughs> and then you've got your Stauer Bucharest as your other team. Oh, yeah. I didn't think you were going to get Red Star or Star Bucharest, so I was impressed you got yeah. one of them. But you just fell on that final there, so yeah, I, I was ah close to <laughs> close to uh, to um final, but uh, yeah, but, yeah, that was good effort, I think. Yeah, you did well on that. Uh, you did well on that Red Star Belgrade one. Hmm. <laughs> that is one of those just like random facts you've got to pluck out if you've like played them, like you said. But yeah, that was good. It's always competitive between you. I thought I had to yeah, make some of those ones yeah. difficult down below, otherwise we'll never get a winner like some of the previous ones. So yeah, that was good though. That, yeah. I, I like that concept of the like bounce and answer back and forth. Yeah, that like knockout good. kind of format. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That was kind of a good quantity as well. Right. Yeah, nice. So we'll move on to that, and that makes it two-two. So you still get everything to play for. It's just equalizer. <laughs> yeah, you won't be saying that when you get to like nineteen nineteen by the end of the season. You'll be like, <laughs> a tiebreaker in the last episode. Right. So we'll move back to more FPL focus. Well, I called that an FPL quiz. It wasn't really FPL quiz, but you know where it's coming from. So we're going to move on to more about strategy because there's been a lot of people mentioned about certain wild cards, and I know there's a lot of people trying to fit a certain CR7 into the teams and some think that wildcard is the best way to do that. So I'll go to Charlie first this time. Have you got a particular strategy in your head moving forward of how you'd use your wildcard or I'm not going to touch on the other chips so far, but is there a particular place in the season you've got like penciled in for to have your wildcard unless you've already played it for this game week? So I've I've not played it this week. I know, like you said, quite I think quite a few people have, but I think it's too early to use it personally. But that being said, I, and I do have a rough idea of where I want or, or think it would be a good time to use it, but I don't think anyone should um, necessarily stick to that. Whatever happens, like if if your team is still set up good, even in a time that you thought you were going to wildcard, then I I don't think it's worth using it. Um, so personally, I, I'm aiming for the second international break. So that's between game week seven and eight. Um, the main reason for that is to do with fixture swings. And that tends to be how I try to use the first wildcard is is kind of spot where, you know, players that I will have got in for the first five, six weeks um, because they've got a good fixture runs at the beginning or, or just have good players that I want to get on early. Um then start having worse fixtures. So in, in this case, um, both Man U and uh, West Ham, by around game week seven, eight, um, the fixtures start to tail off and, and get a bit more tough. 
and Chelsea's who Chelsea's kind of the main one that from game week seven just yeah the fixed run looks looks perfect um so yeah the world card is kind of an easy way just to to kind of swap all of those players out um I'm sure a lot of people have got some of those West Ham and, and manual assets um so yeah that's kind of loosely what I'm what I'm aiming at I think also the the benefit of doing it then and not now is the fact that you just have that extra Bit, bit of time to get some information obviously we've had the transfer deadline um since the last game weeks so we've not actually had a game week yet where we've seen all the transfers sorted and, and teams start to settle yet so by doing it the wild card in the next international break you just get that bit more data of seeing how teams line up seeing starters seeing for example what ronaldo does to man U's starting lineup seeing you know all of these different signings that come in just just seeing how everything works out um but yeah, like like I say, principally because of that, those um, sort of fixture swings, that's what I'm aiming for. But you know, I'm, I'm not averse to if if I feel like my team's doing well at that point. If I've kind of, I'm still aiming to sort of plan, if possible, to keep transfers over so that I could, for example, bring in Lukaku from game week seven if I wasn't going to use the wild card. And if I'm in a situation where I can do that without using the wild card, then I think I would just go ahead and save the wild card if I need to later in the in in the year. Yeah, I definitely agree with the point that you made about when we literally had three game weeks. I don't think that's enough data to assess some of the teams. For example, going back to your team, Charlie, I don't think you can really assess Arsenal after the three fixtures they've had. I think you need a bigger data pool to kind of pull from when you're thinking of the wild card and the certain fixture swings you've got at the minute, for example, like a Wolves, maybe you could argue leads from the week after. That Are you confident on those assets, especially Wolves? If you're going to be jumping on that treble wolves on a wild card, are you really convinced about that, those assets at this point in time? I don't think the fixture swings at this point are great. I can see a lot of people doing the wild card of the fear of missing out on jumping on Ronaldo early. I feel a lot of people have pushed the button because of that. So I think, well, I also made the mistake last season. I think I played it about three or four. I don't know why I played it in week three or four. A wild card and then my team was a lot worse so <laughs> i'm a bit adverse to using it this early especially without that information so i definitely agree with you thinking i always had in my head a kind of a rough plan to get me through to game week seven so around that time i'll have to see how the team's looking i think it's a part you a point you made about international break as well i think a lot of people will think about wild card in seven because that's when chelsea's fixtures start but then you have international straight after that, so you might be wanting to wait for that game week eight to wildcard in case you get some like international drama kind of like we had with Argentina and Brazil the other day. I don't know if you guys saw that. That was a bit ridiculous. <laughs> but what is your current plan as well then, Sam? Is you thinking similar to what we are? Or unless you've hit the wildcard already, of course, you can tell us that as well. No, no, no. I haven't <laughs> hit the wild cards. Um my plan is wildcard in game week eight as well. Um, just after that international break, I feel like I've made a good start. And like, even if I had a couple of bad weeks now, um, then I'm still going to be there or thereabouts towards the top of uh, mini leagues because I've had such a good start. So, um, yeah, no reason to panic, no reason to knee jerk. Um, yeah, my my transfer plan this week is uh, going to be sort of up to the deadline, but it's either going to be Calvert Lewin things based on. If that injury report clears up, um, and if not, then it'll be Jimenez rings. Um, but one of the two, um, I quite like. I actually quite like Jimenez as an option because I think versus Calvert Lewin is actually quite a good differential. Um, 
and has a good run of fixtures as well. And Wolves actually played pretty well against Man United. Kind of unlucky not to get anything out of that game. So, um, yeah, we'll see. But no wild card for me, for sure. Yeah, I like the Jimenez shout. I was looking at him a bit the other day, and I think he's had the second most shots in the box as well, considering they've had yeah. quite a difficult run as well. So he's still getting in the right positions. I'm just a bit... I think it's just with that injury. I've seen him go for a few headers where he's kind of pulled out. I'm a bit unconvinced yet. But like you said, it could be a differential getting in on them because I feel like some people might wait a week or two to see if he can make use of those better fixtures. So it's definitely one to look out for. I think Wolves in general one to look out for. So I think we need to take it back a bit. So none of us are wildcarding, but I feel like a few of the listeners, even more, even more than a few, might be thinking about wildcarding. So I think we need to talk about these kind of fixtures. We, we, well, the teams we would be targeting because of the fixtures at the minute. So if you was wildcard at the minute, Charlie, is there certain teams you would be targeting or certain assets like um, Sam just mis- mentioned Jimenez? Is there certain, like, must-have chain? Well, I'm not going to say must-have. I'm going to say players you would bring in to utilise like the wild card better because of those fixtures. Yeah, so I think any anyone that's wild carding now is likely doing it because of the likes of Ronaldo and Lukaku. Um and I I wouldn't be against I mean personally for my own team I'm not doing it because I'm not wild carding. If I was going to wild card I think I would want to be looking at one of those. Um because if you're going to use the wild card you may as use may as well use it to try and make your team a little bit different, try and go for these opportunities. Um, so I think I would, if, if I was doing a wildcard team, I think I would put Ronaldo in. Um, the reason I would go him over Lukaku is I think you could have Ronaldo in your team up until, like we talked about, that fixture swing for Chelsea in game week seven and then switch to Lukaku from him. So he's sort of a, um, a very expensive placeholder for Lukaku when it gets to that stage. Um, in terms of some of the other teams, I think... Like you mentioned, Wolves have a really good run. I think it's important in any wild card, especially if you're going to use it this early, it's going to be important to put in some players that are kind of in there for the long term. Um, so the likes of Wolves, Leeds as well, have really good fixtures long term. Even Arsenal, if you were going to go down that route, um, have have really good long longer term fixtures. You're not necessarily going to have to worry about transfers. So players, like you said, like Jimenez, maybe Cody, Traore, um, with Leeds, people like Rafinha, Bamford. Um, so those kinds of players, I think, would be good ones to have in because you're not going to have to worry necessarily about taking them out um, because you would expect them to come good ac- across that period. Um, I think outside of any of those, then I would I would still be sticking with the Liverpool assets. So Salah and Trent, I, I wouldn't want to go out go without either of them. Um, the fixture is still good for Liverpool. But that's that's kind of partly why I'm choosing not to wildcard is because I think all the kinds of players that that the majority of us have are st- still have good fixtures. Um, Liverpool still have Leeds, Crystal Palace and Brentford. So there's no reason to get rid of those, I don't think. And, and Salah, I think, is a captaincy option in all three of those. Um, and then the other yeah, last one I kind of had down was Calvert-Lewin. I think his his form so far has been really impressive. I like the points you both kind of just made there. He's, he's a bit more informed than Jimenez you're, if you bring in Jimenez you're kind of banking on the potential of what might happen whereas with Calvert-Lewin you've got a sort of an option that's already firing um, and, and the fixtures are good for Burnley uh, at least in the next three um, so yeah I think I think he'd be my um, my last striker as well 
So you mentioned about bringing in Ronaldo if he was on a wild card. I'm assuming you would be sacrificing Bruno to bring in a Ronaldo. I think Bruno is probably a talking point. We probably want to talk about the effect of Ronaldo and Bruno being in the same team. Yeah, so I think, yeah, I, I wouldn't want to go with three of the sort of premium players. So I, I wouldn't want to try and do Salah, Bruno and Ronaldo. And I, I think especially trying to get two premiums from the same team. So it would be a case mm. of Bruno or Ronaldo. Um, and really, yeah, to be honest, that would just be on more of a kind of um, differential basis, kind of just trying to make use of the fact that I've got the opportunity to try and get ahead of anyone um, or, or get ahead of those not using the wild card. That that would be my reasoning for going Ronaldo ahead of Bruno. Um, but that is a that could be a, a problem as well, and that could be a negative in itself, and that's the kind of risk you're taking if you go that route, um, is, is obviously the fact that Bruno still really highly owned and Ronaldo's lowly owned. So you get that sort of risk reward of if if it works out for you, it should work out really well and you'll get pushed up the ranks. Whereas if it doesn't, then you will expect to, to drop ranks. But yeah, it, I, I think it would just be on the basis that I'd be taking that chance that if, if I'm trying to get ahead, that's what I'm going to do as my main kind of differential. And at least in my opinion, that's the way I see it going is that the team's kind of be geared towards Ronaldo at the top and likely suited towards Ronaldo getting the goals so yeah I think that's what I would do on a wild card but like I say I'm, I'm not going to make that change for my own team because I'm happy with Bruno and uh, uh, yeah I'm not going to waste transfers on sw switching between the two because I don't think that in the end of the day there'll be that much difference between them but if you've got the free choice then then I'm I'm not too um, concerned about making that switch. I think when you're in a wild card, obviously it's like a luxury, isn't it? You can like change every position, and but when you're having to deal with limited transfer every week, it's one of those ones you don't have to make. I can see a lot of people kind of edging towards that if it means taking a hit or what not. I think there's a lot of hype around Ronaldo, so it doesn't really want them in the team. And Bruno seems to be the most obvious way to get there in like two or three moves kind of thing. So Sam, if you were wildcarding, where would Bruno be? Would he be straight out of your team? interesting one for me personally i am not like sounds crazy but i'm not fully convinced i won't be fully convinced by ronaldo until after i see him against like after three games for example and if i if i'm wild carding now lukaku's already been bedded in um i don't i do think lukaku's got two tough fixtures in the next three games um, obviously, he's got Villa at home against a Villa side with potentially no Martinez um, because of all the drama that's going on with Brazil-Argentina. Um, so that's, you know, that's a, a saucy thought. Um, and then uh, Tottenham away. Tottenham, you know, have been resilient defensively and Liverpool are also resilient defensively. And you look at how Lukaku performed at Anfield. And, you know, with respect, he was largely marked out of the game um, for most of it. Uh, and then they play City, so that'll be a completely different kettle of fish. I th Lukaku from game week seven is an unbelievable option. So the good thing about having Ronaldo or Lukaku now um, is probably that they're just going to hold relative value. They might go up by like 0.1 over the next couple of weeks, but you can just switch to the other one if you need to. So you could just manage the premium asset and have one of them. For me, ultimately, I would just keep Bruno. Um I like the fact that Bruno picks up clean sheet points. I like the fact that Man United have strengthened defensively um, and therefore he's potentially more likely to, to get those clean sheet points. Um, 
there's no evidence so far to me that suggests that Bruno is not viable. But he's had he had an unbelievable game week one. Yeah, he blanked in game week two and three, but averaging out at still a very very high score. I don't see any reason to change just now. And like, yeah, I think Ronaldo is going to score, but I also think Calvert Lewin's going to score. I also think Jimenez is going to score, and these players have potential to pick up bonus points through the bonus point system perhaps more easily than Ronaldo might do. So whilst I think in terms of this is this is where like FPL managers in general, I think a, a great piece of advice to FPL managers in general is to just look at the look at the game you're playing and how the game scores. And yeah, Ronaldo is probably going to outscore Calvert Lewin and Jimenez all season. But in terms of the actual points he can pick up in a game week, it's not too different between the two of them. So if you're really looking at ways to be most efficient with your money, I still think Bruno is the best option of all three at this exact moment in time. And then game week seven, I think Lukaku becomes the shoe-in. Not as, I don't think Ronaldo's a bad pick. I don't think Lukaku's a bad pick, but I still think Fernandez is the best pick at this exact moment in time. Yeah, I think it's like you, you don't need to be ripping up your team to get in a Ronaldo when you've got Bruno to basically cover some of that impact as well, haven't you? I think... I'm only scared of Ronaldo maybe in game week four and game week six, both fixtures at home. I'm not particularly scared by the game week five because they're away at West Ham, which is quite difficult. So I think kind of what Charlie said before, if he was wildcarding, I wouldn't mind having Ronaldo in now for like three weeks and then switching to Lukaku, kind of what Sam touched on as well. So it's getting that right balance. I think a lot this season is going to be rotating your premium assets at the right time and matching the fixtures because I think that the certain premium assets are performing the big fixtures, but you're just kind of hoping it'll, it'll turn up on that day. Uh, I think probably KDB is one of the best ones in the bigger matches, but he will might be an option later on in the season. So if you were wildcarding, Sam, would you be going with the two premium assets? What by the sounds of it, you'd be going for two premium midfielders? It's, it's difficult for me to say, to be honest, because I'm so much in belief of... The structure of the team I've got at the minute being so mm. good for to, to up to game week seven that I, I don't think you can go without Alexander Arnold in defence. I think he's absolutely more than ever an absolute shoe in. Um, you know, the highest number of chances created of any player in the Premier League so far this season. And he's basically a midfielder playing in defence. Um, and he gets the clean sheet points for that as well. Salah is almost undroppable. Um, and, and then, you know, if you are going to put in Calvert-Lewin or someone, or Antonio's undroppable at the moment. Calvert-Lewin to go with him. At that point, you're really tight. You, you know, you're starting to really push the boundaries of how many premium players you can get in. And if you've got to go for the swing between any of any of those two, any of those three that I've mentioned at the moment, I would probably go Bruno myself personally. But if you're dead set at the fact that you really want to get Ronaldo in, I don't think it's that bad because you can just basically swap one in out in game week seven for Lukaku if you wanted to. Or if Ronaldo just, you know, hits the ground running, scores a hat-trick against Newcastle, and then all of a sudden he's at 70% ownership for the next week, um, that wouldn't really surprise me, to be honest. So, who knows? For me, Bruno stays. Also, just to pick up on the point Sam made earlier about the sort of value of it, because that's that's the way I quite like to play the game and look at the game in terms of in terms of value. And I think when you're not on a wild card and, and you're just using your own transfers looking at our teams that there's no reason to suggest people like Calvert-Lewin or uh, Jimenez or Antonio couldn't score somewhere in the same region as Ronaldo over the next couple of weeks. 
so then you start to think well what's the actual value you're getting from having Ronaldo the potential sort of the potential to explode and get, and get multiple goals potentially um but you would be needing to captain him and the question is are you going to be captaining him you know frequently enough to to justify that value over the sort of other players that you could be putting in that position whereas i think in midfield you don't necessarily have those the same sort of level of value pick that you get up front with the likes of Calvert-Lewin or, or Antonio whereas in midfield i don't think there's that option there you do have those like Torres or maybe Jota if Firmino's out or you know there's a few players around the 7 8 mark but they're not as you know assured of points as you would say someone like Calvert-Lewin is so i think because of the value picks that you get up front it kind of that's why for me I, I don't have a particular worry about not going not having Ronaldo in the, in the next few weeks yeah I think uh, I think the main bit if I was wildcard and it's just getting that structure in of having a premium midfielder and premium forward because I think the conversations we're kind of having here we all seem to be edging towards Lukaku from a game week seven so I would be using that wildcard to restructure to make sure I had a premium forward spot ready for that that was just my thinking around that and picking up on what Charlie said if I had Ronaldo I'd probably be captain him in game week four and game week six to try and maximize that impact but it's definitely an interesting one to be considering was there any other um teams you would be targeting Sam if you was on a wildcard now I think we just mentioned Wolves was there any other fixture runs that took your fancy I mean, before the season started, I literally had Ben White in to come in for this run for Arsenal, but Arsenal had just been mm. so poor that I, I took him out um, to bring in Liveramento. Um, not really. I mean, Liverpool haven't got a bad three fixtures coming up. You'd fancy them to win against Leeds away, although maybe that's not going to be an amazing FPL point scoring game. And then they've got Palace at home, Brentford away, um, and then you know, two Manchester clubs either side of Watford and Brighton at home. So... Liverpool haven't got a bad run of games. You know, there's a few teams that have got like a good little set of fixtures in and amongst, but there's no sets of fixtures that really sort of set on fire um, outside uh, until sort of game week seven, in my opinion, and when Chelsea become such a viable option. And because I literally have no Chelsea players in and around the team at the minute, that's why it makes sense for me to wildcard around that period. Um, I think Charlie brushed on it earlier about Leeds having a good run as well. So if you have got a Rafinha or a Bamford, that's probably a hold. Um, or maybe looking at Dan James as an option. If he plays against Liverpool, I think that would be a good indication that he's going to be favourite to start in that favourable run they've got afterwards. So Yeah, the Leeds run, I think they've got Liverpool this week, but then after that fixture they've got, I think people just need to make sure they're not blinded by that Liverpool fixture and transfer them out because after that they've got a great run. So... So especially Rafinha, Bamford, if you've got, if you don't want a DCL or someone in there, they're definitely good shouts. I'm not, I've not been overly confident by Leeds' defence. I don't, what well, it might get a bit better with Calvin Phillips getting back to fitness, but I'm not overly convinced by their defence. I think I need to touch on Arsenal again with Charlie. If you was wildcarding, Charlie, would you have any Arsenal players in your team? So, yeah, it's obviously a difficult one to answer because of how bad the form's been, but I think. As, as a kind of result of that, a lot of the players have dropped in price, which actually mm-hmm. starts to really bring them into the conversation of of being really good value. So Ben White's down to 4.4, probably 4.3 by the end of, or, or by the next deadline. Um, Tierney's down to 4.9. I think he'll be amazing value at the end of this kind of run of fixtures. Um, the attacking assets are a bit of a 
a worry. Obviously, you've got the likes of Smith Rowe and Saka who are good price, but I don't know about how sort of consistent returns you might get from them. Um, I think the the likes of Aubameyang, because he's a, now a forward again, probably puts him out of anyone's thinking. Um, so I, I think just because of the fixtures, I probably would put White in and or, and or Tierney. Maybe Tierney, just because of the potential of these fixtures, should allow him to get forward a lot. Um, and, and he is probably the best in terms of defensive assets for for um, attacking threat as well. So I think, yeah, maybe one of those two, but in terms of attacking um, assets, I'm not sure. I would probably go Smith-Rowe as just as an enabler. Um, but yeah, it's, it's nothing too exciting, really. Yeah, I think if I was going through them, I was looking at Smith-Rowe and Tierney as the two options I'd be looking at, which you've kind of mentioned. I'm a bit on the fence with Tierney because he's been playing for Scotland over the international break. So... I'd be, uh, I think it's kind of what I said earlier. I'd be hesitant with limited amount of data to be wanting to wildcard at this point because you don't know if you're even a few games into this Arsenal run and you're wildcarding, you can see how they're performing in the different kind of fixture. So, so it's, I think it's too difficult to be playing your wildcard at this point, but I can understand why people have done it. So I'm going to pull a bit forward here because we kind of, Sam kind of mentioned his transfer plans. So... Have you got two free transfers, Sam? I know you mentioned about the Ings transfer out. Have, have you got any other plans? So I made Liveramento in before the international break for okay. uh, Ben White just to protect the value because I thought Ben White was going to get a price drop, um, which I think he did. So that's that's not that's worked out quite well. And then uh, I'll just wait and see up to the deadline as, as to what happens now. And then I'll have a pretty pretty set plan to sort of for one transfer a week up to game week eight. Um, and if, if the team's going well, won't use the transfer, I'll bank one. Um, and then game week eight's wildcard time. So we'll, we'll, uh, we'll see what happens then. Yeah, sounds good. I think my, well, I only had one free transfer because I went out of my way last week to use both transfers. I know I bought DCL in for Ings a week earlier. I can't actually remember what my other transfer was last week, but I, need a defender quite badly so i took similar to sam and i took samikas out and brought in samedo from wolves so as long well i don't think he played today so samedo luckily hasn't got i took the punt that samedo wouldn't get injured on international duty so i've got a wolves defender in there it's mainly because i just didn't have a third defender to play this week because i've got two leicester defenders i don't want to play them against man city so I've already made my transfer, so that's my plans already done. It seems very boring when you see all these wild cards and I'm just making a Samikas to Samedo move, but it's got to be done. Um, what are your plans as well then, Charlie? Um, so I, I feel quite well set up in my team. Um, so with I had two free transfers last week. I only used one, which was swapping Samikas out for Cody, which was just on the bench. It was kind of setting up for this run that Wolves have. Um, so far I've used one of the two free transfers this week, um, which was to get Barnes out. That was kind of the move I'd booked in Leicester have Man City. It kind of seems like a no brainer to get rid of him. I kind of already wanted to, but that not getting nothing against Norwich. And then the fact that they've now got Man City made it very easy to get rid of him. Um, and there were kind of quite a few options around that. I wanted a little bit cheaper just to allow me go to go from Ings to, um, Calvert-Lewin that's probably likely to be my second second um, transfer if it gets confirmed that Calvert-Lewin's all fine there's this talk of his 
potential toe injury, but really it just seems like an international break kind of injury where there's nothing actually wrong with him. He just wanted to miss the England duty, so he's ready for his club. Um, but yeah, my my Barnes out has gone for Adama Traore, which I'm hesitant to even say that okay. because I know what Traore does and it's the fact that he's he looks like he's going to make something happen and very rarely does the thing that's kind of backed me to to just go for it is they do look different this year um with the new manager obviously the fact that they've not actually um done particularly well in these first three games in terms of results anyway um does hinder that a little bit but the underlying statistics are all there and they're you know, in the top three, four for both um, sort of expected, both goals conceded and um, yeah. goals for as well. So it, it, everything's there, I think, for Wolves to really push on in this nice run of fixtures. They've obviously had some tough games to start. Um, and specifically on Triore, he seems to be in a slightly different role at, at the moment where he's coming in off the left. He's, he's getting into the box a lot more. He's shooting a lot more. He's got the highest XG for anyone that's not yet scored. Um, and that, a lot of people kind of talk about Traore as being this player that, you know, takes lots of shots or looks really good, but just can't finish, which is true to an extent. But in looking back at his historical data in terms of XG, he, he does tend to underperform his XG, which makes sense based on what we kind of know about him. But only by around 1 or 1.5 under his, under his XG. And he's already racking up some really good XG numbers this season. So I think the fact that he's getting into better positions, having more shots than before, will enable him to to score more, even though I'm, I'm going to have to kind of take that ride of him having lots of shots, missing, be quite frustrating to watch him. But I still feel like the goals will come or, the, you know, goals or assists will come in this run. Um yeah, I expect Jimenez as well to, to pick up things. And I think if Jimenez starts banging the goals in, it's going to be Traore as well, helping him do that. So, yeah, at 6 million, I thought Traore was um, a good pick and I needed someone cheaper around that price. So it, it felt the more exciting, interesting pick than the likes of... I did look at people like um, Gray as well at, um, at Everton. I looked at Smith Rowe as well as potential or, or Sarah at Watford, but just none of those really had the stats backing them up as to making me actually want to go for them, whereas Troy did. So I'm sticking with it. And if it doesn't work, then fair enough. It's only 6 million. It's, it's not too big a deal. Yeah, it's an interesting one. I like it and I don't like it at the same time. It's like <laughs> one of them ones that can go really well or not so well. But yeah, I think we're, we're all seem to be jumping on the Wolves train, kind of, with the, yeah, I'm not sure. I, I think you'll be all right with his playing time. I think with those two Wolves midfielders, him and Trincao, I'm just a bit nervous about Podence being back. I'm not sure. I'm, I think Trincao will probably drop out, so he'll be okay with that. But just one to watch out for of the rotator Dharma. But I can't see it with no European football. And I'd say he's probably one of their best players. So I can't see it. It's a very interesting one. I'm slightly jealous for them. Not but when I see him miss a load of one on ones, <laughs> then <laughs> we'll be having fun next time. Say, I'm not jealous of Traore at the end of the <laughs> Uh, yeah. He has like the highest number of. I, I don't quite know how they managed to work out the stats about like clear cut chances. He has the highest number of clear cut chances missed this season already. Um, but then again, you know he's in the position, so the numbers might correct and he'll find the net. But who knows? 
We'll see. We'll, we'll come back to it in whatever it is, six, seven yeah, weeks yeah. after their, their fixture run, I reckon. <laughs> yeah, good luck. Compa- I'll, I'll compare him to the players I could have brought him in and we'll see what the uh, what the result is. Yeah, I reckon I reckon Damari Gray outscores Do you think? Uh, yeah, 100% over, over this next eight fixtures. I'll take Damari Gray over uh, Okay. Yeah. We, we can, that, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll have a small, small wager on it, maybe. Yeah, fine. <laughs> and, uh, Big wager. I might raise you on that one as well. To be fair, with a different player, I'm looking at Saar from Watford as well. So, uh, okay. I'll, I'll, I'll have, have Damari Gray over the both. <laughs> <laughs> no problem. No problem. <laughs> yeah, it'll be an interesting one. There's quite a few interesting options around that price, isn't there? So. We'll keep it on that one. We'll have to do updates on that. The <laughs> six million midfielder comparison every podcast. But yeah, that's good. Um, so we'll move on, I think, to looking at the game week to come. Seeing as though we've kind of touched on the wild card, but it's not as relevant for our teams as we've mentioned. I think it'll become we'll have a lot more to talk about when we get to like um, seven and eight when we're talking about our wild card teams as well. I've also done if you guys are interested as well outside of that if you're on a wild card i've also done a youtube video where i've suggested a draft that you guys could look at so make sure to check that one out as well but we will have a look at the game week four fixtures so is there any should we start i think we'll start this time with going for the captaincy options so sam if you're looking at captaincy is there a certain few players you're looking at are you kind of on the fence like you were last time with like antonio and bruno or where are you swaying at the minute uh, I like Bruno with Newcastle at home. I think that's good. Uh, I also think Salah with Leeds away isn't bad because when Liverpool play away, Salah tends to sort of tuck in a little bit more and almost play as like a, a wide nine um, rather than on the right. He's very like right wing based against Chelsea, um, but yeah. away away from home, he's a bit more direct and a little bit more through the middle. And Leeds obviously playing uh, quite an attacking style of football. I think there'll be plenty of opportunity for Salah on the counter. Um, you know, I, I personally am going to stick with my guns and go um, on just captaining premium assets. So I'm going to be captaining Bruno, but I do think Salah's a good option um, if anyone wants to go down that route. Um, or even Calvert-Lewin, if you're bringing him in as well, it's probably not a bad shout either. What do you make of what some people say that Sa- Salah doesn't get as many opportunities or in the same positions when Jota's in the team? Just thinking as if because there's certain rumours going around that Firmino might be out for a few weeks, so Jota might be playing. Would you say... Well, Jota started against Norwich and Salah scored 17 points, so... Yeah. yeah. Might drop. Was that the game I, where Firmino came on, though, and then he scored... He got his points when Firmino came on? Uh, I think he had already had a goal contribution. Oh, yeah, I think he got an assist, and then he assisted Firmino, and then he scored as well, didn't he? Yeah, after? I think that's right. Oh. Um, I take back my drop. <laughs> but I also think uh, you know the fact that well, perfectly highlighted in the Chelsea game, you know, Jota was on the pitch, and uh, you know Salah's still on penalties. So if Liverpool pick up a penalty, just to say Salah's penalty record is phenomenal. He just doesn't miss penalties that often at all. Um, so you know having having him in there, maybe there's a case to be made that Jota's impact is that Jota plays more through the middle. Um, but Jota's defensive work rate is also higher than Salah's. So if Liverpool are going to Leeds, 
it wouldn't surprise. Oh, well, I think I think there's a wide expectation amongst Liverpool fans that Jota starts that game. But I, I think they'll be they might set up more as like a four two three one when they're when they're compact with with Mane and Jota working back because they will work back harder than Mo will, um, and he'll probably be left as like the nine on the shoulder. Um, I, I just can't I can't get on any bandwagon that really says that Salah is not a good option for for anything. It's like right up there every year with FPL points. He's got 30 points, averaging 10 points a game. Um, yeah, that's definitely, definitely form that you should consider to make that guy your captain, really. Yeah, he's definitely not leading, uh, well, leaving my team, should I say. I just wondered what you'd think about that for me, no one jotter if you thought it kind of they might spread the returns a bit more i think we, i think you made the comment before about the home returns often being spread yeah i, I don't think the fact that Firmino is not in will yeah. impact the spread at home i still think they'll be relatively spread and when liverpool are at home it's almost it's almost you get that almost feeling of that pep roulette with man city as to who's going to get yeah. the points uh, who's going to actually play um with liverpool you know who's going to play you just don't know who's going to get the points so um but like i said away salah tends to be a bit more direct and, uh, you know, for that reason, definitely think he's a viable option captaining this week. Also, it looks like um, Harvey Elliott coming into the team as well, playing really well, seems to have taken some of that um, that weight off on the right side and, and the creativity, allowing Salah to get a bit further forward as well. Yeah, That that's, seems to be how it's how it's working, much more than I've noticed before on in, in any of the other midfielders that used to be in that slot. So I, I think that only helps Salah's case as well. I think that's a good point. Um, there's, I think Harvey Elliott might have picked up a knock for the England under 21. So I don't know if he's going to be fit for Leeds, but if he is, he'll probably play because he's made a brilliant start to the season as well. Yeah, it's definitely been impressive from what I've seen as well. So, what are your captain decisions for the week, Charlie? Is it very similar to what Sam's been saying? Yep, just copy paste, really. Um, <laughs> Bruno, almost certainly my captain, Sal advice as it stands. Um, like I said earlier, planning to bring in Calvert-Lewin and, and he would be in with a shout. He's got a pretty good record, if I remember rightly, against Burnley. And also, I think we said on last week's pod, perhaps, or, or whenever it was, that Burnley seemed to be conceding these kind of chances that you wouldn't necessarily expect them to in terms of um, crosses and, and set-piece chances, which is perfect for Calvert-Lewin. We know that's the, <clears throat> what uh, Martinez has kind of geared the team towards. Um, and, and how good Calvert-Lewin is in the air. So I think Calvert-Lewin definitely has a, an outside shout for getting a good return. But yeah, if you're, if you're pl- sort of playing safe, um, Bruno just seems the obvious option for the players that most of us have, obviously, the likes of Ronaldo. Um, I'm sure we'll have a, a good number of people captaining him as well. Yeah, I think we mentioned that Burnley point one of the, yeah, the previous one of the previous weeks because it was Jota that scored a header against them, didn't it? Between the two centre halves and we'd like that's not the burn that we're used to. But I think looking at the stats as well, especially over the second half of last season, they conceded a lot more headed chances as well. So it makes DCL very enticing for this week as long as he can sort out his big toe that is <laughs> well, he's had this injury all season, by the way, and he's always been like a seventy five percent of flag every game week, which kind of put some people off but then I think it's one of those ones that you can get through hopefully famous last words when you guys don't bring him in and I've got him and he doesn't start but we'll see where that one goes I think obviously we don't have them in our teams but if you had Ronaldo and Lukaku in your teams which one of those would you captain out of those two I'll go to Sam first 
for me this week lukaku uh just because i really like the fact that well, it particularly if, if there's news that martinez isn't going to play for villa i'm not 100 percent up to speed on that but as of this morning that was still sort of in up in the air because no one really knew what was going on um if Martinez doesn't play, I think Lukaku at Stamford Bridge against a Villa side with stealing goal, you know, there's a potential recipe for a massacre there. Um, but, uh, you know, Ronaldo's, Ronaldo's still like, a bit of an unknown quantity. And I'm always cautious about jumping on the hype trains of unknown quantities, um, in particularly in fantasy Premier League. So for me, Lukaku this week would just get the nod. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think from the latest reports, it looks like the Argentine players won't be able to play from what I've seen. And well, that would have followed the kind of standard what we were expecting to happen because they were expected to have to isolate when they returned to England. There's also the possible issue with the Brazilian players that could still happen because basically Premier League decided they wouldn't release certain players but some of the Argentine players broke that what they'd agree with the Premier League but there's something that within FIFA where the national team can get the Brazilian players banned for the next fixture or like banned for 10 days so there's some discussions around some Brazilian players might be banned for example like Rafinha but that's a wait and see as well they're a bit up in the air around the Argentine and Brazilian players at the minute so, like you said, it could change how we think about like Lukaku as captain. What would you be going for as well, then, Charlie? Out of those two? Yeah, I'd I'd follow suit. I'd go. I think Lukaku is the more um, assured option, particularly as Sam said. If if Martinez isn't playing, then it just seems like a no-brainer. Um, the way Lukaku started at Chelsea just seems seems like a perfect fixture. Um, where you know there could be a bit more of a share of points between Ronaldo and Bruno. Um, both both seem like great fixtures, and, and I don't think either one's a bad option or, or a wrong option. But yeah, I think I would edge Lukaku. Yeah, I'm tempted to say I make it a full set, but as a United fan, the Ronaldo would be very tempting. I'm not going to lie, and I've seen that he's been at training today as well. So I think just for the pure nostalgia, I'd be going Ronaldo if I had the two, but I'm not sure that's a logical FPL pick. That's more being swayed by other things there. I think also the thing is as well, if if you've got Ronaldo, you presumably have brought him in this week either yeah. for, a, for a hit or in your wildcard. So the likelihood is if you've got Ronaldo now, you've probably not got any other option than to captain him. I don't think otherwise, why are you bring him in? Yeah. Depending on that structure you've got, you might go for two premium forwards and you're just like stuck between them. But I just thought it was an interesting question, especially with the different premium forwards, because basically last season we kind of just had Kane, didn't we? And now we've been given Lukaku and Ronaldo to play around with as well. So it'll be good to see throughout the season how we get around those assets. So I think if we just touch on any other fixtures that we just think could either yield good FPL points or you're just excited to see in this game week? Is there any particularly ones that jump out to you, Sam? I mean, there's a few. There's a few. Um, I just, I think in terms of players, I don't know if we've really touched on that, on, on the point of like players under 10% ownership that, that will really outstand. I don't know if there's teams as such to target, 
would normally have said Arsenal like at home to Norwich seems like a great fixture. Spurs against Palace seems like a great fixture. But I just think the way that certain teams are set up, um, there's like individual players that could do really, really well as opposed to a, a team performance in particular. Um, I think like Damari Gray is potentially in line for a really big points haul against Burnley at home on the Monday night football. Um, just because Burnley tend to sit quite deep. They've already proven that they're a bit lacklustre in wide areas so far this season. Um, I think Gray could could get a lot of points in that fixture. Um, I think all of the Chelsea defenders will be in in for a clean sheet against Villa. Um, unless Villa sort of Danny Ings turns up and makes me eat my words, but I'm not sure about that one. And then the, the the fixture that really just kind of stands out as the whole team with potential to score points, I guess, is United at home to Newcastle. Um, so, yeah, for that reason, Mason Greenwood stays in for me this week as well. Um, yes, yeah, it should be an interesting set of fixture. There's, there's not like, it doesn't look like there's sort of like lots of lambs to the slaughter set up like we had in a couple mm-hmm. of previous game weeks already. Um, but there should be some interesting, uh, interesting games up and down the table, really. You touched on the under 10% ownership. Is there someone particularly you'd be targeting for this week of under 10% owned? I, th- I think there's a couple that are, I've already said Gray to yeah. me seems like a, a really good one. Uh, I've already touched on Jimenez. Harry Kane as well in there at like 7%. Um, yeah. Like that's super, super low for Kane. Um, and if he does, now that he's like sort of settled down and said he's staying at Tottenham. He doesn't just become a bad goal scorer overnight. He's still uh, one of the best strikers in the world. There's, and we haven't spoken about him once this pod at all uh, as a viable option. Um, and then in terms of defenders, Andy Robertson's back for Liverpool now. So anyone who was considering that Trent Robertson double act at the start of the season might want to look at that in their wild card. Um, and yeah, I, I think Chelsea defenders under 10% are starting to look like a really good option because they're just so solid defensively. So. But for me, for me, in terms of those ten percent players, Kane, Gray, are the two that are sort of being slept on a little bit. I think. Yeah, and I think that the Kane is probably going to be slept on for a few weeks till the fixtures get better because you've got that Ronaldo and you've got the um, Lukaku, haven't you there? That you're quite undecided between. Well, I think they've got better fixtures in the short term, and then you're going to be looking at Kane when his fixtures maybe change later on. So it'll be interesting. Well, I don't think we've probably ever seen Kane, well, not ever, but in the last few seasons, Kane's never been that low ownership, as I mentioned, with those other premium forwards in there. That obviously gives us other options. So I like that Kane one. I didn't I didn't even realise it was that lowly owned, to be fair. Yeah, it's crazy to think. I think it's similar with like KDV as well. I think KDV is probably like a few percent, which is ridiculous. So it'll be interesting to see how we rotate them throughout the season. So... If I move on to you as well, Charlie, is there any set of fixtures that just jump out to you as points, points, points here? Um, <clears throat> well, uh, when I was looking through the all the games, I I started noting down which ones I thought maybe there was something in there for FPL-wise, and I ended up basically just writing all of the fixtures except for Brentford and Brighton. Um, because I think in all of them, there's potential for points for players that have have their FPL options for so like we said Spurs against Palace Son and Kane I think obviously despite all of Arsenal's form and whatever it's a game against Norwich and we are having players coming back as well so we're gonna have Thomas Partey should be back from injury Ben White coming into the team again 
Um, we're going to have a lot of the ball, so I think it will allow... And, and Saka coming back as well, I think everything will just flow so much better now. Um, so there's potential there. I think Leicester Man City has potential for being quite high scoring. Um, certainly one with one of the kind of... The taking a gamble on the Man City asset, I think there's potential for points there. Um, West Ham, Southampton, I think will be a really good game, actually. Um, so that's kind of one of the key ones I'm looking forward to. And yeah, I mean, we, we've all pretty much at this point got Antonio and Ben Rama, and I expect yeah. points for both of them in that game, really. Um, and it would just be nice to see Wolves against Watford. That's a game that they should be winning, and it would be nice to see if they can finally convert these good stats into into actual points. So um, yeah, that's one I'll be keeping an eye out. But, but I think particularly West Ham, Southampton is, is I think, will be a, a really good game. I feel like there's certain games we're going to be watching out for now that we've made this bet as well on the midfielders. So you're going to be watching the Dharma <laughs> and then we're going to cheer on Monday night when Demario Gray's benched. <laughs> uh, yeah, I would have seen it Sar against the trial race straight up isn't it off the bat. Oh yeah, so. that's true. <laughs> I'm, I'm quite one. comfortable back in, back in trial in that matchup to be honest. I know, I'm quite um, conflicted there because I don't want Sar to score because I've got Samedo in my team, but then I want him for this. <laughs> so be, I hate those kind of conflicts, like when you've got an attacker or a defender that are playing each other and you're just like, who do we go for here? Um, we mentioned the under 10% players. Is there any one that sticks out for you at the minute outside of who we've touched on, Charlie? I, I think, yeah, obviously the ones the ones we've already said are kind of the, the main ones. I think... None of them are ones that I'd really gamble on in my own team, other than maybe just sticking one of the Arsenal ones in there. I think, we, like we've already mentioned, Tierney. Um, he's at 5.3%, I think, when I last checked. He seems like a, a decent enough option with this fixture run. And like I said, I, I think things will start to click now with, with, with these good games coming through, with all the players coming back. I, I think basically all of the Arsenal players now are, are well under 10% for obvious reasons and rightly so. Um, but if you want to take a punt, they're all cheap enough really to, to do so without worrying too much about the rest of your team. Um, and, and obviously everyone is starting to look for these, these cheap players that can um, facilitate moves to the likes of Ronaldo and Lukaku. So yeah, I wouldn't be averse to that kind of one of them, definitely not more than one, but one of them potentially. Yeah. It's kind of trying to jump on those assets before they, Hole, isn't it? I think that's why I quite like your Adama Traore one because you're jumping on it before he could score. It's kind of finding the next Ben Rama, isn't it? So I do like those kind of moves, but then obviously you could get the wrong one and it doesn't go as well. But it's interesting to see the few 10% I had. I think we've mentioned most of them. I was going to mention Saar, but I kind of brought it up a bit earlier than I expected. Um, I'm going to say Semedo as well because I brought him into my team. And my what was the other one? And I also had Reese James, which we kind of touched on with the Chelsea defence as well, because he's still about I think eight percent, which I think has been because of his red card, it's put people off him a bit. But especially from that game week seven, because I feel especially because Chelsea didn't sign Kunde, that he's going to get a lot of game time. There's only really Aspilicueta who's going to challenge him for that position, or maybe Hudson Odoi, but I don't think he's really a defender. But I think he's probably the best Chelsea point scoring asset at the back until we get some clarification around Chilwell and um, Alonso down that side. Uh, I knew bringing up Hudson Odoi would provoke the chat with a comment there. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I'm just um, thinking how 
are you expecting Arsenal to do against Norwich? Are you expecting your first win, Charlie? <laughs> I, th- I think, yeah. We, I've I've not predicted a win, I don't think, so far in any of the first three games. Um, I don't blame you. Yeah, fair enough. Um, I, I think this has to be it. If, if this isn't it, I'm not sure when it's going to be. We're <laughs> probably playing arguably the worst team in the league. Um with some of the worst statistics. And I, th- I think, yeah, a game at home, we should absolutely dominate the ball. And with all the players coming back, I think we should have the players to do it. Um, yeah, if, if we can't win this game, I'm not sure it, what game we can win, really. I'm going to set up a new mini challenge in our many challenges we've got now. Because we've got the three teams that we support, I'm going to make us predict the three fixtures that we're involved in. So what? Score? Do you think you're going to be Norwich Island, Charlie? Um, I reckon it will be three-one Arsenal. Oh, that's not good for the Arsenal defensive assets. Come on, <laughs> yeah. I mean, in. yeah. I don't think they're bad options, but whenever I'm predicting an Arsenal scoreline, I'm always going to predict that we concede. <laughs> yeah, don't blame me. To be fair. What do you do? You think Arsenal will get the first win, Sam? No, <laughs> I, I really don't. I, just, well, I that... think Arsenal was su- in such a rut. They're so derived of confidence. They've forgotten how to beat teams. Norwich actually played very well against Leicester. I know they were mm. at home. It makes a big difference. I think it's going to be a draw. Would you go for like a 1-1? Yes, 1-1. I'm going to keep on the trend of ones that are one of the scoreline. I'll go 2-1 to Arsenal. So we're not expecting the clean sheets there for either team. I I think if there was no international break and if some of the players coming back weren't there, then, uh, yeah, I'm not sure I'd predict the win. But I think because we've had the time to sort of separate from the last results, had a bit of time with some of the players coming back from injury and whatever, I, I think that's enough to dispel some of the previous um, previous issues with Sim from, from games, honestly, we expected to lose. Maybe not the Brentford one. It's a tough game going away to a newly promoted team. But, um, yeah, I mean, no one saw us beating Chelsea or Man City anyway. So, yeah. Hopefully you scrape it just for your own sake, so we can't. So you've got a podcast where you can actually celebrate a win or a point for that <laughs> fact. We'll have a 30 minute section on Arsenal so I can make the most of it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we'll move on to yours, Sam, which I think is probably the inter- most interesting one out of the three Leeds against Liverpool. How do you see the result of that one going? I think it's going to be a 2 1 victory for Liverpool. Having said that, it wouldn't surprise me if it was real. <laughs> yeah, it's one of them games, um, isn't it? Yeah. I, I honestly think having Van Dijk back this season has almost instantly Liverpool have gone back to looking so well-organised defensively. Um, I was genuinely really worried about the threat that Chelsea had attacking last week. Um, and in terms of outside of set pieces, it's a brilliant header from Havertz for the Chelsea goal. Um, but outside of set pieces, I think there was only one time that Lukaku sort of dribbled into a dangerous position other than that Liverpool marshaled that attack pretty well um, so yeah Van Dijk's just an absolute animal and I'm confident that we're going to see an extra five or six clean sheets this season 
uh, as a result of that. I don't think we'll keep a clean sheet against Leeds, but I certainly don't think we're going to be conceding a lot of goals like we might be at risk of doing last year. So uh, I'm going to go for a 2-1 Liverpool win. To keep the order a bit different, I'll go and I was a bit conflicted. Yeah, I feel like it's going to be high scoring. I'm between a 3-2 and a 3-1, but I think I'm going to go 3-1 to Liverpool. So it'll be quite, it'll be 2-1, quite tight, and then you'll probably get one on the break. So I'd be going 3-1 to Liverpool in that. What would you go for in that one, Charlie? I think I would also do 2-1. Um, same as Sam. I think Leeds, the way Leeds play always opens up them up to a potential to score, mm. but equally, um, yeah, they're, they're likely to concede as well. So I think with the attacking power Liverpool have got, there's, there's, there's no doubt in my mind that they win it. But um, yeah, I think Leeds can still grab one. Yeah, both going for the same score there. I hope Salah gets a penalty in the 95th minute to make it 3-1, just to spite you both. <laughs> so do I. That won't bother <laughs> Trust me, that won't bother me. <laughs> well, you can get a penalty when to make it 5-1 when you're losing 5-1. That's good as well. Um... <laughs> yeah, you can all dream. <laughs> <laughs> you never know, it could be another Miller from last season. Um... Yeah, it could be. <laughs> I forgot to touch on when I was on about United as well. Did... Um, what did you guys think of Varane in the starting lineup for United in his first game? I thought he looked pretty decent. I don't think Fred covered him in much glory in front of him. So I'll give you my score prediction and then I'll go around with that question and the score prediction. So I'm thinking it's going to be a big score in this one. I'm just thinking how many goals. I think I'm going to go 4-1 because knowing Luke Shaw this season, he just won't keep a clean sheet when we want him to. So I'll be going 4-1. So if we go back, I think I've ruined the order there, but we'll go back to Sam. What do you think it'll be a prediction in there? And what did you think of Varane? Um, well, I mean, Varane comes in, Man United to keep a clean sheet. Um, look, just generally a bit more organised. Um, so yeah, it looked good. Uh, absolutely no doubt he was going to be a good signing for you. So no uh, no problems there. Hopefully he frees up Luke Shaw and Wan Bissaka mm-hmm. to get forward a little bit more from your uh, from your point of view. So they can contribute a bit more offensively as well. Um, I'm going to go three 0 Man United. Yeah, a very similar kind of theme there. Well, probably do what we did against Sheffield United last season and end up losing two one. No, in our look, but you can imagine that all the hype around Ronaldo and then we lose to Newcastle. That just <laughs> pop the balloon indefinitely, wouldn't it? Um... Can you imagine? Oh. <laughs> yeah, I think if you were picking a fixture. Like you couldn't get much better than Newcastle, especially how many goals they've conceded so far this season, and it'll just be typical to let it flop. That was typical, typical United last few years to do that. So, what do you think as well, then, Charlie? Would we be a score prediction? I am going to go four nil. I think the defense has improved with Ran in there. To answer your point before, um. Still missing, like you say, that that defensive midfielder to to clean up and, and protect the back line. But I think, other than St. Maximan, I don't think Newcastle pose sort of pose much of a a threat in that area. Um, obviously, Wilson, there's always the potential for him to to get something, but I, th- I think it it will be slim picking for him. Um, so I fancy to keep the clean sheet, and yeah, especially if by all. By all um, sounds of it, it, it does sound like Ronaldo's going to be starting that game and, and there's going to be a real good feeling to that. And, and at the home fixture as well, it just seems yeah perfectly set up to to get a lot of goals in that game. 
you know, I think either way it's going to be a bit of like a party atmosphere, isn't it? Even if he's not starting, he's probably going to have like a presentation on the pitch or something, kind of like how Varane had it. So either way, the yeah, crowd's going to be bouncing. Yeah, the bench as well. Yeah, the fact they'll even be in the ground, even if he was just coming in the dugout when he didn't even come on, he'd still get the bounce going around the ground, wouldn't you? It's one of those signings that has that feel-good effect. I'll just jump in there. I think that's a, a, an interesting point. That Ronaldo's not set to start. Like, mm. Can you really drop Mason Greenwood after the form he's been on? Like, And at which point, if you've wildcarded and brought Ronaldo in, like you're bringing in a premium asset that's not necessarily set to start. Like, I, I don't know, just... That's that's one of the things I'm I'm happy I don't have to think about because it was in the back of my mind. Mm-hmm. But that being said, I there have been some comments from Solskjaer about how you basically just can't drop him. He's just undroppable wherever he plays and et cetera, et cetera. I think the facts, Will, you mentioned earlier about the fact that he's already been training now today with the team. Um, obviously, he got, I think his, he didn't get a booking in the first game of the international break, which then meant that he was suspended for the following fixture and then skipped the friendly as well. So he just left yeah. the the camp. So I, th- I think if he was still due to play that second game for Portugal, then maybe there'd be a bit more of a question. But because he's come back, he's already been training and he is who he is. I, I can't see Solskjaer not starting him. But yeah, th- there's always that slight doubt, which is why I'm happy. I don't have to think about it. That was like fantastic work by Ronaldo to do that, isn't it? So score the winner in like the 95th minute against Ireland, take your shirt off, get books, make sure you get back for United. So that was just a perfect from a United fan's point of view to try and get him back. So uh, you made the comment about Greenwood. Greenwood didn't start up front in the last game either. So I fully expect, well, say expect, Solskjaer likes to not play his star players when he first buys them, but I fully expect Ronaldo to start up front with Greenwood on one side and then either Pogba or... I think Sancho's got a bit of a knock, so I can easily see the front four being um, Bruno, Pogba, Greenwood and Ronaldo. But obviously that can be subject to change. Oli can do some wonderful things, but we'll see. I think definitely with that booking, it's gave him a lot more better chance of starting. If he played all those Portugal's fixtures, I wouldn't recommend even thinking about getting in there. The other, the other the other thing as well is <clears throat> obviously we we're, were talking about this before the press conference for, yeah. which will be on whatever it is Thursday or Friday and you can guarantee the journalists are going to be asking that question is going to mm-hmm. be is it going to be in line for a start so we'll get some kind of indication even if he just bats it away or whatever we'll get some kind of indication um from that whether you choose to kind of believe what's being said or whatever that's that's something else but um yeah you can guarantee that question's getting asked yeah, I think with Ollie as well, he's not very good at hiding his emotions. He, he's kind of a United fan as well. Yeah, you can see at the same time, like they had that press conference around, like before the kind of Ronaldo United story kind of broke, and he was talking about it, and he couldn't hide his excitement before everyone even knew about it, which is quite funny. So I think if he gets answered that question, he'll try hide the answer, but he might struggle. He might say, oh, no, he's injured, but he'll have a smile on his face when he's saying it, just trying to double buff his way out of there. It'll be an interesting one to see, especially for anyone who's got Ronaldo in the team. It's a bit of a big call, isn't it, if he starts or not for them. But yeah, I think outside of that, I think we've covered everything we want to, guys, unless you've got anything you want to add on. No, all good for me. All good, mind. Yeah, I was just going to mention, just going back to the wildcard talk that we was on about earlier. Like, Obviously, none of us are wildcarding, but it's definitely a team, like, you need to look, review the state of your team at the minute if 
it's right for you to wildcard now and you need to make those changes, I think a good thing to do is draft your wildcard, compare it to your team now and see if there's significant change and the areas you're trying to improve on. If there isn't a big change, then you might just want to make a few transfers to get closer to that team rather than using a wildcard so early. I found last time, last season, using a wildcard really early was actually a disadvantage in the end. So just that's probably my recommendation and there was also one bit i just wanted to ask you guys as well so would if you're getting well i think a lot of people are going to be wanting to go for ronaldo what is kind of your general rule about taking hits is there kind of like a maximum amount of hits you would take like a minus four or minus six from your point of view charlie so i'm i'm not averse to hits in itself um but there has to be some kind of purpose behind it. I generally try to plan in advance sort of four or five weeks, maybe maybe even more anyway, which in as a strategy tends to mean I don't end up taking too many hits because I'm trying to plan down the line and I don't need to um, make an extra transfer. Unless, of course, these things happen where some things pop up that, you know, unplanned and, and whatever. Um, I think ultimately you need to weigh the two options up, work out whether that hit is going to be actually worth it in the long run. Um, or even that week in, in itself is, is, you know, you're going to have to effectively add those, that four points or however many points you're taking the hit onto the play you're taking out. And is that points total going to be the same? Um, so I, I think if, if you're taking too many, it very rarely works out because you need to nail each one if it's, if it's going to be viable in the long term. But, yeah, some sometimes there are there are moments where it calls for it. Like you mentioned, if if maybe your team does need a bit of a shake up, but it actually prevents you from having to use the wild cards because maybe you just need to make three transfers and you've carried one over as well. Then yeah, I, I'm I'm not against it if you can see the long term um, positive effects from it. Yeah, definitely. I think that's the point about the long term. But obviously, I feel like Ronaldo is a lot of hype around him. I don't necessarily think he's a good asset long-term. I'd say for the next three game weeks, he's a good option. But outside of that, I'm not overly convinced that he's someone you need to rush towards. And you have to consider who you're taking out as well. Because yeah. if, if you're doing that a hit for Ronaldo, it's likely going to be removing another premium asset. So Bruno or maybe Salah or someone like that. And you have to think, well, all of these options are premiums for a reason. They're, it's because they're likely to return most weeks. So if the person you're taking out scores, you're then adding on a whole other five, six points that the the player bringing in has to get to to match that. So it's, yeah. it's not always worth it, really. Yeah, that definitely makes sense. It's kind of like the opportunity cost, isn't it? Like, because you could take some, you could bring someone in who scores 15 points, but the guy you took out scored 20. So was it really worth it in the end anyway? And, and the, also the, the feeling of uh, taking a hit for a player that blanks is just horrendous. Yeah, so that's horrible. <laughs> it's always good to avoid that if you can. Yeah, it's got to be like nailed on or like bringing him. I think when you get later on in the season, for example, it's like a double game week or something, it's more, you can justify it a lot more because someone just playing two fixtures would get you four points. It's a bit more excusable, but maybe not this early on. I'd be trying to advise against it. Would you kind of have a general rule like that, Sam, that you kind of work towards with your hits? Yeah, I mean, like Charlie said, I, I, t I tend not to, fortunately, be in a position where I need to think about it too much. Um, 
I don't really think I would set myself like a limit on the number of points. I think you've just genuinely got to be able to justify that the players you're bringing in are better than the ones you're taking out. Um, and if they are and they're going to return more points, then great, crack on, good luck with it. Um, but just, uh, yeah, just be aware that, uh, you know, point, points hits automatically put you on the back foot, obviously. Um, but, uh, yes, it can be kind of overlooked. And if you think you've had a, if you take an eight point hit and you've had like a 70 point week, you know, eight points in a game week is a lot of points. It's a big difference in ranking. So, just be mindful of that um, and understand that if you're taking a points hit, you might not actually realise the like, gained equity from that points hit for another couple of weeks. Yeah, definitely. I think it's going to be an interesting thing to look at at the start of this game week if you look at your live FPL rank right at the start of the game week because it will show you people taking hits and, like, for example, Sam will probably move up to near, near the top 10, okay? which it'll be interesting to see how many people have actually taken hits. That'll be something I'll probably look at on Saturday morning. Could be an interesting one. I can imagine there'll be a lot of definitely fours, even more hits taken. So, like I said, I think from what us three are all saying, with the visor, it's all about the planning, isn't it? And trying to avoid those hits. So if you need to take one or two there, well, throughout the season, it's not too bad, but don't try to make it all the time you're taking hits because it's just eating two points total you've got to perform even better to get to where you want to be that was the last point i wanted to, to make thank you too for both being on the pod again and we will be back as there's no international break we'll be back next week thankfully so we will see you all again next time thank you for listening <laughs>